Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 4, Episode 3. Today we're talking about Blackula from 1972, directed by William Crane. I'm Joe Lascola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor, the Walmart brand Vincent Price McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. You shall pay, Black Prince. I shall place a curse of suffering on you that will doom you to a living hell. Hunger. A wild, gnawing, animal hunger will grow in you. A hunger for human blood. Here you will starve for an eternity, torn by an unquenchable lust. I curse you with my name. You shall be Blackula. You know, it's funny you say that because, well, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um. First, I kind of, I just want to get this off real fast before we get rolling. Yes. Uh, we were supposed to have my friend uh, Isaiah Dickerson on the show, as some might know him as his uh, Facebook handle is a gray. His life has been uh, insane lately, and he's going through some really intense personal hardships. So, for the sake of just not putting any stress on him and you know various other things, he's not, unfortunately not going to be part of the episode today, and it sucks. Uh, but we do have the GoFundMe up. Uh, we put it up on our Instagram a couple weeks ago. So if it's still active by the time this comes out, please donate to him. He he needs a little help. Uh, what's going on right now is super shitty. I don't really want to go into it on the air, but the uh, the link is in our Instagram page, so feel free, Isa. Send out those good vibes. But anyway, um, yeah, Walmart brand Vincent Price. Um, <laughs> it's weird because this is like it, it's it's like they went to a store like called like Buy Vincent Price. <laughs> Like, the ad would end with, like, something, like, not actually Vincent Price. And you get this very <laughs> legally distinct version of, like, what a Vincent Price might look like. Vincent Price may vary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Blackula. I was not ready for just a straight-up vampire movie. I thought this would be a little funnier. And instead, they're like, nah, just here's a horror movie. That's it. <laughs> I kind of like the way they portray the character a lot in this movie. Like, I, I, I'll agree, Connor. I was kind of going in this thing. There would be some more comedy elements for sure. I was kind of waiting for that Renfield-style character, and we never got it, and I kind of like that. It keeps the movie a little bit more serious throughout. The whole story is is really great, I think, uh, how they do it and and how, like, he get happens to get bitten by Dracula like there's a whole backstory for it right now con- concerning that though like apparently like William Marshall who is the titular Blackula Mama Walde uh, apparently he requested a name change of the k- title character from Andrew Brown huh that was the original character name and he changed it to Mama Walde and then had that whole backstory written um, which we'll get into about him being uh, Prince of Africa and things like that I'm Pretty happy he did that, because I really like that element of the character quite a bit. It's what makes the movie good. Oh, yeah. I kind of like that this feels like Dracula is still a story in of itself, and then at some point during that, it just detours off to this other guy named Wamawande, and, like, it is an, an offshoot of Dracula's fucking path. Yeah. It's great. It's really weird and interesting. This is weirdly enough, I mean, I don't know how it plays out in the book, maybe CB will let us know somewhere down the road, but this is basically Dracula Unbound in some capacity. (laughs) Kind of. I mean, you get the post story. I mean, we're going to go into it, but basically this is what happens after Rector Belmont destroys Dracula. (laughs) 
what what happens to all his thralls that are left in tombs throughout uh, the countryside? That's right. There you go. Blackula TM. Yep. So yeah, it's just a couple things real quick. I wanted to I wanted to run down on this. Um, this is the first black horror movie ever. Really? Wow. Yes. And William Marshall plays the first black vampire ever to appear in film. So there, that's a big two things for this film. That's why we wanted to do it because it was this is like a huge staple, especially like for the horror genre in general. You know? Yeah. And it, you know, if if there wasn't a Wesley Snipes in the world, I would say no one else should try after this because he's kind of awesome. He's amazing. Oh, oh totally. Yeah. Maybe we didn't need Vampire in Brooklyn though, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, me either. I've seen the poster many times, but never watched it. I can recall a like a tr- maybe a scene from a trailer from my childhood, and that is it. It's funny. It's funny that we're talking about it just real quick because like Eddie Murphy wanted to make a serious vampire film where he was the villain, and Wes Craven was like, "Well, let's make it funny." And then the movie totally fucking bombed. And while Wes Craven bounced back with fucking Scream, Eddie Murphy was floundering and then finally got the Nutty Professor because of it. But anyway, I did not know that Wes Craven had anything to do with that movie. Okay, that's how little I knew about it. That movie sucks, dude. But yeah, so this gets this film is made and distributed by American International Pictures, which directly links back to our previous episode, Coffee, because that's who Pam Greer worked for before she was uh, made. So before we go any further with like the film history, I want to talk a little bit about William Marshall, the actor, because it's really some of his backstory is like really interesting. Uh, he made his Broadway debut in 1944. Whoa! And then was an understudy to Boris Karloff in 1950. <laughs> Holy shit! As Captain Hook in a in a production of Peter Pan. So I thought that was fucking insane, dude. Whoa! Talk about a credential. <laughs> yeah, that is a high bar to set. Like. We've talked about, like, you know, lots of pretty credible actors in here, but none of them who work directly under, like, I don't know, someone as legendary, as influential as that. Yeah. Yeah, horror icon. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just <laughs> Frankenstein's monster. He was in a ton of movies in this genre. Oh, yeah. So he he does a bunch of television, but is also he also does a bunch of Shakespearean uh, productions in the U.S. and Europe. And he, like, leads, like, six productions of Othello which I thought was pretty interesting. You know, looking at his performance throughout this entire film, like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He would absolutely be a Shakespearean trained actor to have this kind of, like, gravitas and presence that this guy does in this movie. I mean, he's really, really great. Um, he's even praised as the best Othello of our time from the Sunday Times. Um, and then in 68, he does a jazz a jazz musical version of Othello with Jerry Lee Lewis as Iago. I thought that was kind of neat. I think one of, the, one of the, uh, the biggest roles that he's done was the 83 uh, production of uh, Frederick Douglass, Slave and Statesman, and he was Frederick Douglass in that. Oh, really? And again, like, he's just had, he's just done a ton of um, TV stuff. And yeah, this was, uh, this was his, his horror role, his Dracula role, or Blackula, rather. I was, uh, I was going to ask if he's still with us, but I just looked him up and no, he uh, unfortunately passed in 2003. Yeah, he passed of Alzheimer's uh, complications. Ah. Uh. Which is really awful. Damn. Uh, he was also, uh, I, I see here, he was the king of cartoons in the Pee-wee and Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> yes. Oh, yep. That was the first credit that I uh, my eyes trained on, for sure. <laughs> I see Star Trek, too, but uh, it's, it's uh, Dr. Richard Daystrom. Oh, yeah. We have another uh, Star Trek alumni in this film as well. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> we get to him. I've been on a Star Trek bender lately, so it's, yeah, bring it on. So a little bit more about the movie. Um, so when, I, when AIP, uh, American International Pictures, released is this in theaters there was two theaters in new york 
that allowed free admission if you wore a cape to to the show, <laughs> which I thought was pretty great. That's amazing. Hey, Skillet, he would have been out of luck. <laughs> well, he would be wearing like fucking what, like baby baby overalls or some shit. We'll get to it. Sure, yeah, that lines up. We'll- oh, that's Skillet. I thought you meant Skillet from PD. Same PD- guy. <laughs> Come on, it's the same fucking guy. He goes through the series of events in this film, and even though it's like five years, he ends up in Petey Wheatstraw, and he's, he's gained some weight, he's lost some hair. Oh, yeah. He's, he's teamed up with this Leroy guy. He's got this fucking scheme. He really went to shit, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He never got that cape, and it went downhill from there. This is one of the highest grossing films of 1972. It took in like a million dollars or some shit like that. This movie is stunningly well made just from a production value perspective like it's really really good and i can see that it has an immediate air of legitimacy to it like it doesn't feel one it's like it's far less ridiculous than i thought it was going to be and it's just it kind of like you look at it and go like oh, okay all right see what you're about here yeah they take it very seriously for the for the majority of it really and that's kind of the that was the point of the flick so yeah so uh shout factory released this on blu-ray and it also has a sequel scream Blackula Scream, uh, with Marshall returning as Blackula, and our lovely Pam Greer uh, joins him <laughs> as supporting uh, actress. And they were going to continue the trend uh, since they did Blackula. They were going to do Blackenstein, uh, but instead they did they did uh, Scream Blackula Scream as the sequel uh, to this film. And then Blackenstein was actually picked up and produced by a different company um, altogether. Obviously, I've heard of Blackenstein, mm-hmm. never seen it. Um, I didn't know the sequel to this at all either. Yeah, it's really interesting. So. Um, does somebody would somebody like to crunch this plot for us, please? Uh, Dracula's a racist. <laughs> Shit, that's, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep, that scumbag motherfucker. We, we we basically kick it off in Transylvania, where our main character, played by William Marshall, Prince Mama Walde, and his wife basically are visiting because they're trying to ha- get his uh, help to suppress the uh, slavery trade. Yeah, they want to abolish it. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, uh, Dracula doesn't like that, so he. Uh, Turns the prince into a vampire, kills his wife, more or less, and uh, seals him in a casket, essentially, for eternity. Uh, But unfortunately, about 200 years later, his uh, body is disturbed in the 70s, and uh, he goes on a killing spree, and it kind of uh, loosely follows some story beats from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mm -hmm. but but not, not heavily. There's a few elements here or there that we'll get into. And this all kind of leads up to a final climax where uh, all the uh, proverbial good guys are looking for Blackula and trying to uh, take him out. Yep, it's your classic kind of uh, "I'm Dracula and I'm looking for my long lost love" kind of kind of kind of deal with this flick. Oh yeah, yeah. He fights a uh, he fights a small army of T1000 cops. <laughs> Yeah, they were out in full force in this film. They sure were. Do you have a photograph of Dracula? This whole movie is predicated on Dracula having an outrageous overreaction to a request. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to help us do something with slavery? How about no, and how about I give you like an eternal uh, uh, burden of suffering and also kill your loved ones? Right. Oh, my God. Dracula is the biggest racist piece of shit that ever walked the earth, apparently. Oh, yeah. And then as, yeah, and then as you're being damned, I'm just going to just shit all over your culture oh my god here it's coming here we go so we open up in transylvania in 1780 at uh draculia's castle and uh mama walde uh and his wife uh luva come and they basically want to bring africa into the world of nations and dracula's like 
<laughs> You're black. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's more or less what he says. Well, they ask him about, like, can you help us, you know, stop this slavery that's happening to our people? And he's like, huh, well, no, because uh, slaves have a use, don't you understand? They have a, well, it used to me. And they're like, oh, well, we're not going to stand for that. Oh, my God, dude. He's, like, trying to buy Dracula's wife and shit. Yeah. Oh, well, you should consider it a compliment that somebody of my stature wants to mingle with a person of color. It's fucked up. It's very, like, distinguished back and forth between these two gentlemen, but it's, like, some... Some really awful shit that they're that he's putting down, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, now, I've already made the joke that this director looks like a very off-brand Vincent Price, but at some points, he looks exactly like the six-figured man from the, from the Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, kinda. I'm pretty sure Rucker Hauer was a vampire at some point, and that's what he reminds me of. I'm sure he was. When it fully functioning the vagina. <laughs> vampire? Fully functioning vampire. Doesn't quite sound the same with the fangs in your mouth. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so basically, you know, they're going back and forth, and he, Dracula's just making, like, the worst fucking, like, racist-ass comments, and Mama Walde's like, motherfucker, I'm go I'm about to kick your ass, and, um... <laughs> yeah. Because he insults his wife, and he insults him, uh, and then he's like, fuck you, you know, we're out of here, and then gets apprehended by, like, Dracula's goons. Yeah, his, his little minions, and then even though he was talking up how he wanted to buy... Uh, Mama Walde's wife and make him one of his one of his wives. He just instead is like, you know what? I'm gonna lock you in this crypt and I'm gonna turn your your husband into a fucking vampire and lock him in a coffin. What? So Dracula bites Mama Walde and he's like, you're gonna suffer an eternal thirst because I'm gonna lock you in this fucking coffin and just put you in a in a in a secret room forever and just forget about you. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, he didn't count on Van Helsing coming and killing his ass, but, you know. <laughs> well, sure. But he, he even he even specifically says, I curse upon you the name Blackula. Like, that. okay, that's part of the curse also? Yeah, he dubs the Blackula TM. Yeah, he's got to walk around and, and sign every check with TM now. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> it's bad enough you cursed him with this, you know, this unholy blight, but then you put a kick me sign on him too. Like Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But, like, just to be serious for a second, like, it's really like this like the whole it's super dark the it's super dark and like this whole scene is like super painful to watch just like as a glimpse into how like the european like white people functioned and handled things you know oh i was thinking of leonardo dicaprio from django on chain heavy duty in this scene well yeah same kind of shit. It's just so fucked up. It's extra fucked up, too. Like, they don't show this because the movie flashes forward after this. But you just have to imagine, you know, Mama Walde, he didn't just, like, die. Like, he was in that casket probably hearing his wife, like, die of starvation because I guess it's some kind of solace that she doesn't get turned into one of uh, Dracula's vampire wives. But he's clearly just leaving her to just, like, wither away. Like, we're talking about eternal suffering for both of them, basically. Like, she's she's left there to die and listen to him scream trying to get out of this fucking casket. And he's cursed with the, the thirst for blood, and it can't be satiated at all. So he just has to stay in this casket for however long. Right. 
He's not munchy. He doesn't have a kid walking up and fucking opening up the crate. He's not singing, that's for sure. Well, he's not munching the fact that he doesn't have crippling ADD and just sing to himself in the off time and just make the time pass easier because munchy is like like this... <laughs> I don't know how to describe him. He's just this fucking lost-in-his-own-head little cherub. With the powers of Pennywise. Yeah. He's an eldritch horror, man. He knows he knows how to sleep and dream and wait, you know? He's like, time? What is time? I don't know what the, me- I don't know the meaning of it. I'll sing. I remember when I invented time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say, though, as we get into this film, um, you know, Dracula says, I give you all the powers that I have when he bites uh, Mama Walde. But, like, the interpretation of Dracula in this film, like, I actually, do, like I said, I like the way that he is, or Blackula, I guess I should say, yeah. is done super well. But I just think about the powers they gave him. He kind of got, they kind of screwed him a little bit. Like, he do, he can't turn into a wolf or a fog or anything like that. He pretty much just gets the bat form and the uh, regeneration. I don't think that was in the budget. Sure. No, I mean, it wasn't in the it wasn't in the original either. They just say, hey, look, a wolf on the fucking grass. You never see anything. <laughs> well, sh- sure. But I don't think they're going to let... A wolf run around Los Angeles. I don't know. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't get to. He didn't get to inherit Dracula's skill tree. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so he's asleep in this coffin uh, for two hundred years, give or take, and uh, we we crash to nineteen seventy. Oh wait, you can't skip this funky ass intro, dude. It's great. This intro rocks, and it gave me like kind of weird Burton Batman vibes just because like it is like this big interactive uh sequence involving the title of the movie like the actual logo and it's this really sleekly animated bit where like you kind of like take a visual tour on like the letters of the title black and like a little bat is like landing on them and flying between them at some point he's hanging out and biting one of them like it's really elaborate and really interesting yeah there's like a little red blob that floats around with it that like turns into like a woman at some point it's really really cool and the music's great after this intro we cut to uh 1970 and one of the things I get again this was made in 1972 you know obviously there's some some things we have to keep in mind that this is a 50 year old film yeah but they really are doing like one homophobic joke after another in this movie and I just have to at least call it out because it kind of like brought the movie down a little bit for me because these first two characters were introduced to uh, are Billy and Bobby, and they kind of just play up every stereotype you can think of, and it kind of drove me up the wall. Yeah, I, I kind of want to gloss over that stuff only because like, it doesn't add anything to the film, and it's just kind of, again, it, like like Sean said, it kind of takes you out of it. I was going to just cover that up by saying, like, uh, meet the two fussiest men uh, on the face of the planet, <laughs> and they are written to be just these, like, pedantic, annoying little, like, these chatterboxes. I'll say one last thing. I mean, on one hand, it's kind of cool that you have these characters in here that are two gay men in 1972. Like, I like that, but it's just the way they're portrayed, I'm not crazy about. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, they're gay just to be gay to make gay jokes. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? And it just doesn't need to be there. But they uh, they got some money because they buy Dracula's castle and everything in it. Yeah, holy shit, dude. What a fucking deal. Yeah, well, fucking the guy from the Sedgwick Hotel is there, and he's like, hey, you want to buy Dracula's antiques or what? Also, like, who who was, like, what, is Hydra auctioning off, like, a bunch of their assets? <laughs> like, how, who had Dracula's castle? Yeah, right, there should be, like, experiments happening in that basement. And this is uh, how Baron Stoker once stay here while he was experimenting on the Mind Stone. 
Stone. I'm surprised Crookshank isn't down there working on the Winter Stepfather project, honestly. Well, that was in one of the other five secret rooms that he they, they tell him about. Yeah, no, you you get a you get a Crookshank when you get the castle. It's kind of like the fries come with the burger. Like <laughs> he comes with the house. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, you bought me. I came with the house. It's possible. He's like Blossom. He just comes with the house. That's why Prune keeps him around. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I can't, I can't get rid of him. He was here when I moved in. So they come across this. You know, this guy uh, tells him there's like six. There's like oh, there's six hidden rooms or something. Look, he is one now. And then like pushes the wall, and it just happens to be the one that uh, Mama Walde is. Uh, just like entombed inside of they basically make a deal with the guy and they're like okay well we're gonna take the coffin as well <laughs> and then, yeah and then we just smash cut to like the fucking pier where the wishmaster statue's getting unloaded I, yeah <laughs> i was just gonna fucking say that <laughs> and the fucking the mub one kathoga kathoga's on on the other pier yeah man that's going to the natural history museum ted Raimi's getting crushed somewhere down on this pier somewhere <laughs> Indiana Jones is dropping off something like here keep it secret keep it safe oh man well there you go because we're going right to that fucking warehouse in a second I mean this is the MDU this is the MDU pier the MDU warehouse it's all connected this is the John Hurt archives that's what it is (laughs) his name's on the building somewhere this is endless fucking just series of shelves and boxes yeah it's just it goes on forever i i also think this is the same warehouse that abbott and costello originally found (laughs) dracula and frankenstein's monster uh back in that movie absolutely before they took it to that dude's museum yeah yep Exactly. This is the this is the segue where they where they where they, where they were kind of waiting at. Yeah. You know? There there's even a couple wooden soldiers like kind of propped up in the back <laughs> like with dust and cobwebs on them, like they've been there for a long fucking time. Yeah, just Clint Howard's chiseled into each face, different ones. <laughs> don't you don't want to hit that button? Put it that way. I I like I'm giddy at the idea of like a camera pan down one of these stupid aisles and like it's just all these like old relics of our silly inane made up universe. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's like that scene in Bride of Chucky where they where dude like takes out uh, Chucky's body from that fuck from the evidence room and you see like the leather you know Leatherface's chainsaw and like the Freddy glove and shit yeah or that one that one quick shot of the evidence locker from Batman Forever where like oh yeah oh no it's Batman and Robin where the uh, the Riddler's suit is there like Two-Face's coin is there Joker's fucking his flowers there oh by the way all just hung up like there's no rhyme or reason to it yeah. they're just <laughs> they're just like hanging on the wall look at my rogues gallery collection yeah look at my stuff behold my stuff <laughs> but yeah they, they basically just have this shot of the pier, like Joe was kind of saying. It's almost like a Seinfeld transition where they show the coffee shop, and then they cut to inside. Because it just goes right to the warehouse right after that. Like, we could have just went from, like, yeah, we bought the shit to the warehouse, but okay. It's it- Well, I think they needed to transition and show you that it was, like, a different place. It's also like that Dracula thing where it's like, he crossed oceans, and now he's in Los Angeles. Right, and it's that thing where, like, they're in Transylvania at the fucking castle. They had to make the transition to, to L.A. Yeah, that's true. And, like, the budget says we can't spend the entire movie in Transylvania. Italy. I mean, Transylvania. <laughs> Latvia, whatever. <laughs> the Valley. Uh, Transylvania. Anyway. So Bobby's cracking open the boxes with Billy. And they want to open this coffin, too. Yeah, well, well, Bobby cracks the lock almost immediately, but Billy gives himself a heinous wound breaking <laughs> over, open this crate. Yeah, that, that Bobby spends what feels like six minutes just, like, needling him over. And, like, the two of them have this hilarious fucking ADR argument that 
seems to be all improv where it's like i'm gonna bleed to death you're not gonna bleed to death shut up stop it stop talking stop moving i'll kill you in your sleep blah 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 like they make a mention at one point they want it billy wants to put this fucking coffin in their living room or some shit yeah and he's like yeah it'll freak people out i'm like okay we'll have uncle sam over for dinner and then he can just lay down in it when he's when he's tired like grandpa munster or something and maybe i don't know was it like an ottoman you're gonna put your fucking feet up on blackula in there like how weird it's a statement piece connor okay <laughs> i call it a heinous wound it's like you know it's it's not quite larry cotton level where he like rips the whole hand open and it's like a fucking like gallon of blood spilling out but it's like sliced down his wrist for crying out loud yeah like on his forearm i thought for sure that was gonna be what was gonna activate blackula but no, he just kind of creeps up on him as, like Connor put it, while Bobby's basically arguing about how he's wrapping the wound. My headcanon is that he woke up like, will you two shut the fuck up? Like, <laughs> Lou Costello's there yelling for fucking Bud Abbott. Bud! Bud! <laughs> buddy! Check, check, check! Uh, but yeah, you're right. So then he attacks uh, Billy and just kind of just, for lack of a better term, eviscerates this poor guy. Dude, he, he fucking backhands Bobby into a bunch of crates and then just rips this guy's arm, uh, or not rips it off. Off, but he like bites into it and fucking drains his blood right there. Bingo. Dra- Blackula lives to him. I like that this this uh, title vampire is like an absolute scrapper. And instead of like magic manipulation, like telekinesis reading your mind, he's like, no, I'm gonna backhand you. And then after you're you're not you're literally punch drunk, then I might bite you. That's another thing too. He never does any like Legosi kind of shit with like the cape in front of his face or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. Even though it, he's much more like. I want to say, like, Hammer Dracula. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Not, not verbatim, but more in that vein for sure. Not verbatim, but it, it feels more like that. Yeah, with, with a flavor of fisticuffs, because, man, he will... He's like, I'm threatened? Come on, put him up. Like, Yeah. I will smack the shit out of you, and he does. <laughs> he definitely uses some, like, hypnosis later in the film, but they don't do, like you said, Joe, there's none of the cape shit or anything like that. It just kind of happens. Yeah. But, yeah, he after he... Essentially, I thought he killed Billy, and that was the end of it, but later, it, it, somebody says he's in bad shape. Shape. Well, uh, but he goes after Bobby. Well, we find out that he's in really bad shape, but he uh, goes over to Bobby and bites him in the fucking neck. Yeah, he kills both of these guys. They're, they are fucking D.E.D. For sure. Oh, for sure. But th- there's like a scene after this where it's implied that Billy might be alive, but later he's in a coffin. So I don't know. <laughs> I love I love that like Mama Walde like kills these dudes is satisfied as fuck because he's finally had a drink in the past 200 years is his first one. Yeah. He goes over to his coffin and picks up the cape. Now, did Dracula put that in there as like a goof? (laughs) Just in case you ever get out, here's something to look a little extra fancy. Now you'll have to watch your feet every time. Well, you're of Dracula's descent now, so it's customary you have one of these, even though you're supposed to be in there for eternity. Here you go. Hey, he's got to look good. He is a vampire. And he does. He looks sharp, throws that around. Two hundred years later, someone talks to Dracula. He's like, what do you mean no one wears capes anymore? Blackula laughs all the time. He's a very jolly dude. Yeah. His first laugh is like, And he, uh, every time he kind of goes full vampire, I really love what they do with the makeup where he kind of like suddenly gets uh, these really intense eyebrows and uh, kind of like, I guess it'd be almost like, it almost looks like it's his sideburns gray to kind of create this, uh, I don't know how to really na- say it other than super intimidating look to him. It's, it's, it's like almost like a transformation look. Now, I think this is one of the first times that that even happened on film as well. Like, you know, we're so accustomed to it now. Like when you watch like the Lost Boys or 
or any type of vampire movie now, mm. when they go from like regular to quote unquote like monster or like ready to bite a victim, you know, their fucking brow changes, they, they got red eyes and their fucking giant fangs and shit or whatever. Sure. Um, so I thought that was a cool detail too, Sean. I mean, you do have uh, Christopher Lee with like the big fangs and the red eyes and what have you, but like this, it's a little bit more intense. Uh, this makeup. Agreed. We don't really get an indication of, of a passage of time. You just kind of figure it out because the next scene is the uh, funeral uh, home. <laughs> Blackula just laughs and goes to sleep in his coffin and it cuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then we cut to this funeral home where Bobby's laid up in the in the coffin and uh, some people come in, but before they make it in, Blackula's there like creeping around and he like uses his magic or something and makes Bobby's fucking hand move in the casket. Well, it's like he's summoning summoning him as like his one of his children now. Yeah. Get the fuck out of bed. What are you doing? Which we got work to do. Stop fucking around. <laughs> but he waits a little too long and the uh, mortician comes in with uh, the family and friends. Yeah, we're introduced to uh, Gordon Thomas and Michelle Thomas and uh, Tina, who is Michelle's sister, and they were good friends with uh, with Bobby. And uh, that's Tina, by the way, in case uh, you thought you heard her say Mina. No, Tina. It's Tina, not <laughs> it's Mina. It's Tina, not Mina. I just want to get that across. Oh, I see you, movie. Okay. Because <laughs> she looks exactly like his fucking wife who died 200 years ago. Get it? I kind of like this detail, actually. Uh, no, yeah. The, the carryover from the, from the other story is fine. It, it's fine. It works. It totally works. It, get, it It's one of those things, too, where it gives the monster some sympathy, right? Or empathy, rather. Even though he probably shouldn't be doing what he's doing to get, <laughs> you know, what what the end game is. Oh, yeah. But that is always kind of, uh, in every iteration, you know, obviously in the original with uh, Bella Lugosi, it wasn't, uh, at least from what I remember, his wife. It was more so just that he was fascinated with sure. her. But, like, in the book and every other version, pretty much, that's, that's a key element. So I... It didn't really bother me. I kind of like it in the in this film. There's scenes that happen later that kind of bother me, and when we get there, I'll comment on why. <laughs> but uh, the on paper, I like the idea. Bela Lugosi's Dracula is also an awful uh, adaption of the story. <laughs> sure, good movie, but awful adaption, definitely. Yeah, I would say, does this Tina eventually go on to join like some kind of league of extraordinary, uh, you know, individuals? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Was Dracula on that team? No, Mina Harker was. Oh. <laughs> was she a vampire? Yes, that was why. That's like her big contribution to the team is that she's a vampire by the time they, they enlist her. Oh, for God's sake. <sighs> I guess they failed then, right, John? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, she's not necessarily uh, Luva's descendant, but she looks just like Luva. Don't they remark that uh, they're like, oh, his hand fell out, and he, the mortician's like, well, fussy in life as he is in death, and then, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. It happens, you know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Put it back in there. So then he, like, ushers the family out, but uh, Dr. Thomas, he's kind of hanging back, and then... They do this, like, fake-out where you just see a hand on his shoulder, and you think, oh, shit, is it Blackula? And no, it's just the mortician. He's like, sir, you can't be in here. And he's like, I'm a doctor. I'm a pathologist, by the way. This is Thalmus uh, Rusulala, by the way. I know you guys know this guy. Okay. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna list off some other shit, but you definitely know him from Mom and Dad Save the World. He's the general with the with the giant fucking uh oh. he looks like a cat almost with the giant sideburns. Oh I don't know if we I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that this movie keeps fucking coming up. It's just making me want to do it even more, <laughs> even though our uh well, he's definitely not a friend. Uh, Jeffrey Jones is a, is the star of the film. Yes. Our frenemy is in the movie. But he's also in Above the Law and New Jack City. Uh, he was in Willie Dynamite at, around the same time. Um, uh, the Twilight Zone series. And he was even in uh, TNG, baby. Uh, he was probably my favorite character in the movie. If, oh, he's great. Uh, if that means anything to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's very... like Right away, you're like, ah, you're Van Helsing. <laughs> Dr. Uh, Gordon Van Helsing, yeah. Thomas. <laughs> so he's like a he's like a, a doctor of um investigative science. So he's like a CSI guy. Yeah, and at some point, like I saw, like I missed a comment prior to that, but like I turned around, he was like, Yeah, I'm from the investigative science division. I'm like, and where is that located? <laughs> Who do you work for? <laughs> there is no INS division six. Yeah. <laughs> he just flashy things him. They definitely show like a lab that he works in, but yeah, you're right. Like, where is that? Where does that exist? Well it's it, again it's it's the crime lab. Division, yeah. So he's like looking around for like the cause of death because they haven't embalmed Bobby yet. So he's like touching him and stuff. And he's like, oh, his fucking veins are collapsing because he's like completely drained of blood. But like you didn't embalm him yet. So how is that possible? And then he talks about like the neck wound that he got. I don't know how he knew that, but he like pulls back like this piece of latex and you could see the the bite holes in his neck. And he's like, yes, something of unknown origin must have bitten him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A giant rat or something bit him. It was a goddamn big brown snake. First of all, if you find someone who has been killed by a single bite wound to the neck from a rat, find that thing and kill it with fire. Because clearly... It's seven feet long. And like- well, we again, is it a giant rat or, or a larger than normal rat? <laughs> Do we got to get Peter Weller on the phone? Does he have to fucking fly in from wherever the hell he is? He's just like, stupid fucking rats. Yeah, it was definitely a rat. Is he sitting in that bathtub, you know, the Aztecs built, you know, checking out the view when he gets a phone call? Peter, you're needed. He's hanging around Dracula's castle? This is where they used to kill people and suck their blood. Did you know back in 1780, uh, Dracula turned <laughs> Mama Walde into a vampire and locked him in a wall? Peter, you're the worst to bring to parties. You bring everyone down. <laughs> you see this coffin I'm I'm laying in? This was Count Dracula's coffin. Have a good night as it closes on him and then the fucking credits roll. Do you know vampires can true through concrete? <laughs> Tread water for three days. Just not running water. If it's running, they basically evaporate. But if it's just regular water, I think they're okay. <laughs> they really like Doritos and cheese. Don't feed them after midnight and sunlight will kill them. Okay, so his bite wound, like, he said it's like, oh yeah, it's a giant rat. I'm like, no, your options are a vampire did it or the man spider from the horror of Spider Island did it, okay? And those are your only two options. <laughs> That is it. Call Babs. I mean, it's definitely that whole thing where, you know, in any movie like this where it's like, okay, yeah, no one's going to think it's a vampire. However, Dr. Thomas starts kind of floating that uh, idea pretty early in the film. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, he's like, well, damn vampires. He was hoping so hard that it was going to be a vampire, and he's like, hmm, oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Today's the day. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, he's been keeping a diary for years. Nope, not another vampire case. <laughs> Damn it, another bit, another snake. He shows up to crime scenes room and is like, oh god, here we fucking go. And he's like, vampires did it. Gordon, have I ever told you about the frog? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Pennyworth. The two of them share an office. <laughs> partners it was frogs it was vampires shut up both of you how could a frog doesn't even have teeth what are you talking about uh, okay they're putting chemicals in the water to turn the friggin frogs into vampires and then it's just the monster in the closet just walks in and makes that fucking disgusting sound <laughs> pours a cup of coffee and walks out yeah exactly he eats he drinks the coffee with the little head with the little tongue head he eats the donuts <laughs> with that little head yeah yeah puts the puts them around it like through the donut hole and just it you know it sucks in that's how he carries them all he puts like six on there he puts homer to shame um so then we cut to outside of the funeral home and michelle is with tina and saying okay you sure you're gonna be okay walking home at night you know that age-old uh cliche but it works effectively here because uh she hears a uh, some noise or someone possibly following her and you know i'm thinking oh shit where's a maniac he's somewhere around here oh yeah joe spinell's gonna pop out and fucking take her out oh, fuck no <laughs> uh but no it is a mamu wall day and uh he grabs her abrasively is like oh Lupe! and she's like ah get, get the fuck away from me <laughs> it's like he's like wait it's me it's me don't you remember N- never mind the fact that there's vampires in this movie like you're like it's like, hey, you good to walk home? No, it's the 70s. Like, Richard Ramirez is a thing. <laughs> like, I don't want to go anywhere alone. What are you kidding me? He's the Night Stalker. I, I just don't know how he thought this was going to pan out, even if he's from the 1700s and isn't caught up on shit. Like, what? Like, did you really think she was going to be like, oh, okay. I guess it's a better approach than uh than the discipliner in Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, where he just, like, chased somebody, uh, chased his ex-wife or whatever through a fucking parking garage. I guess this was a better approach. This movie, like, they never catch up Blackula to like the 20th century. I was gonna say he has a pretty non-plus reaction to waking up and seeing like cars and any other sort of contemporary technology. Yeah well I guess that wasn't the main focus but in fact he has a very close encounter with one and he's like well close encounter that was an inconvenience not like my god what is this giant mechanical beast. Speaking of yeah you're right Joe it's not no close encounter at all because as he's chasing her in the streets uh, he gets hit by a fucking yellow cab. <laughs> he gets taken out like a fucking chump. He gets like he gets hit. Yeah, ass over tea kettle. He fucking flies over this fucking car, and he, you know, we find out later that this uh, this woman's name is Juanita, but um, she's she's the cab, she's the yellow cab driver played by Keddie Lester, who's actually like a prolific singer from like the forties. But anyway, she gets out of her car and verbally dresses him down for about a minute and a half. And then Blackula's just like, I'm not having this shit. Yeah. And then just bites her. <laughs> Kills her. <laughs> she just, she reams him out. She just calls him every name in the book. Uh, she ends up by calling him boy. And he gets, vi- and, and that is the straw that breaks the camel's back. And he's like, that's it. Vampire bites for you. Wow. Okay. He calls her an imbecile for hitting him with her car. Doesn't question what the vehicle is or anything. Mm-mm. And then she goes, you called me an imbecile. And then she really goes off. And then he's like, fuck this. <laughs> Takes her out. But I just want to comment on the fact that throughout this entire movie, he does not give two shits about hiding bodies or anything. No. He doesn't even try to be stealthy. <laughs> he's just killing people in the middle of the street. I didn't I didn't think about this at all. Like, he's very upfront with his vampireness. Not only that, but like he's just 
he he doesn't kill them all the way. He's like, yep, well, you're going to come back later. You're part of my army. See ya. Yeah, he is constantly making little thralls um, and, uh, like, familiars. Like, he's just like, yep, you're a vampire. You're a vampire, too. Vampires for everybody. Which is funny because it almost seems like he's trying to go, even though he's killing people, don't get me wrong, uh, it seems like he's trying to go about shit somewhat peacefully, but then he's just making these thralls all over the city. So, like, what the fuck? You're getting, I'm getting mixed messages here. Well, Bobby and Billy were just a drink for sure, but, like, like, he kills this woman just because she pisses him off, gets in his way, and that's kind of like the rest of the movie, that's what happens. Like, he's not out because he needs to drink, he's out because, or he kills these people because they do some shit that can fuck up his plan or whatever he's doing. Yeah, piss him off so he's like, fuck it, you're dead. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say that he killed Bobby and Billy because he wanted to get a good nap, and these two were just over there like, <laughs> Can you shut the fuck up? Shut the hell up. <laughs> he's been sleeping for 200 years, he goes, back to bed what are you talking about yeah that's the, that's the funny thing he's been sleeping for 200 years not a fucking thing has rocked his <laughs> coffin and these two just start like nagging next to him and he's like Urgh! so we get a scene with at tina's apartment where she comes in and oh she drops her purse by the way when she's getting chased by mama walde and he like picks it up and michelle comes and then he brought it to every lady in the city and he's like will this fit on your shoe <laughs> your foot? can you put your foot in this purse for me please what is this fucking greta yeah so michelle goes to tina's apartment and tina's basically like oh this guy attacked attacked me and like came after me and like I lost my purse and my keys and everything but somehow I was still open able to open my apartment uh door and then we cut back to the fucking Indiana Jones warehouse well he's got to go to sleep he just leaves his home there next to where a bunch of dead bodies were found because again he's not even trying to hide well that's where his coffin is for now so he so he goes back there and like he has the- doesn't he laugh here yeah he has the purse and he like smells it and then he laughs and then puts it into his cape and then jumps in the coffin finds a pair of her like extra panties starts sniffing them yeah oh. exactly i would very much like to smell your feet put your foot in this purse that's my sniffy pouch put it in my mouth i promise i won't bite is this if quentin Tarantino was a vampire and like hey wanna- can i smell your feet can i see your feet can you put them right up next to my nose like not on my nose but like a half an inch from it <laughs> step on me oh this is gonna be great and kill bill this this <laughs> shot right up on the toes so yeah we cut to the police station and gordon's there and uh he's basically talking he's talking to sam who runs the um the morgue um and this is a alicia alicia cool by the way and he was in a bunch of shit and i he looks so familiar man who the fuck is it? house on haunted hill yeah man i was like who the fuck is this guy uh, he was also in uh the 66 batman series and star the original star trek rosemary's baby uh kolchak the night stalker and messiah of evil how how many star trek people we got in this movie <laughs> well different series he's in the original star trek series the stu the stew the, the star trek universe there's just a big crock pot floating in the end to use somewhere if you want to go there you gotta you gotta you know teleport into the fucking crock pot i think marshall is in the original star trek series as well but i keep forgetting his goddamn name thomas thomas is or gordon is in uh, tng uh, thalmus uh Rasulala. yeah thalmus yeah the, he we're in the morgue now and fucking uh sam is there with his goddamn hook hand <laughs> yeah, i didn't notice that the first time that he was in the movie what a choice <laughs> but later he answers a phone and is like scratching his head <laughs> with it i was like what the fuck we don't see the part where harrison ford came looking for him. <laughs> <laughs> He's the 
guy, the one-armed man. <laughs> I wish he smoked a cigarette with it, but we don't get that. So they they pull Juanita out of the freezer so uh, so Gordon can uh, can check it, and he's like, look, you know, he's specifically looking for bite marks on the neck, and he's like, Sam, why don't you go get a cup of coffee, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gordon finds the bite marks, and uh, he asks the chief, he's like, well, okay, I need the fucking reports on Billy and Bobby, like those two those two murders from the other day, and he's like, oh, oh, we got, I'll, I'll get them for you. He's like, no, they're lost. So, you know, somebody never turned them in. And there's a comment here about like how the police department at the time didn't take shit like that seriously, especially about people of color that I thought was interesting. And it turns out there was no reports ever made of their of their deaths. They were just like, they found them, they killed them, or, or they, they were killed, they found them, and they were just like, okay, bury them or whatever, that's it. Well, it was probably also just the way that the uh, gay community was treated at those times, especially too. That too, yeah. So you have, you have a gay white dude and a gay black dude, and they're just like covering it up. Or not covering up, but not giving a shit about it at all, you know? Yeah, it's certainly... Service level stuff in the in the context of the film, it's kind of just there. But like when you really sit there and think about it, it's like holy shit! Like yeah, it's fucked up. Talk about fucked up. Yeah, they were like, it's a revenge killing. Anyway, how was the game last night? Right. Yeah. You know, some some cop was probably like, you're not <laughs> good. Good for that. Good for that. Glad that happened. Uh, but yeah, after he's like, hey Sam, here's some money. Go watch a Star War. We go to the fucking club, dude, and we kick up that kick up the fucking Hughes Corporation. This fucking musical uh sequence, dude. I'm telling you that there are large swaths of this movie that are like just like a huge corporation music video yes and i was thinking about this now i don't know a ton about this band i did like briefly check their wikipedia page out they did rock the boat That's, i love that song rock the boat don't rock the boat baby rock the boat don't tip the boat over rock the boat Yes, yes. In the movie, two of the uh, three sing a song, one each. I was like, okay, is the third guy going to sing, or is he just up there dancing, or what? He doesn't get a third song. (laughs) But later in the movie, there's a third song with a male singer, and I like to think that that was that third guy uh, from this band. But he didn't get any camera time for it? Oh, man. Yeah. Screen time, I mean. So everybody's sitting at a table. So Gordon's there, Michelle and Tina. They're all at a table, like, hanging out at this club, listening to the Hughes Corporation, and fucking Blackula just strolls the fuck in. <laughs> With the purse. With the purse. He's in full vampire rig- Like, he never, he never wears regular civilian clothes. He looks like Dracula. He never goes anywhere and not looks like a vampire. Like, he just walks <laughs> in everywhere. He's like, hello, yes, cape, yup, you see it. Nobody ever says that he looks like a vampire. It's just- No. He, but he looks like Dracula. They, they got Dracula vision, you know, like Arnold vision. It's very similar. It's- <laughs> They're Dracula blind. Yeah, exactly. There you go. It's like babies day out. You know, you don't look below your waistline. Now you can't see vampires. Exactly. You know, there's all these weird rules permeate throughout the MDU. You know, it's a shit show, and it's it's kind of a crapshoot, honestly. All these bullshit medical conditions. Well, you have Dracula vision. I would chalk it up to him, like just being so uh, persuasive and seductive. But they mention his clothes like eight fucking times. <laughs> yeah. Even the woman that hits him with the cab, like, I think part of the reason why she, uh, kind of reacts the way she does is because she keeps kind of eyeballing his outfit, especially when he starts, like, transforming and going after her. She's like, oh, okay, this isn't a joke, huh? Oh, fuck. Or, or a Halloween, why why you dress up, like, for Halloween or some shit, she says. Something right, like right. Before Mama Walde kind of, uh, gives Tina her purse back, we, we get officially introduced to, to Skillet. <laughs> 
I'm going to just make that that connection directly. That's the same guy from Petey Wheatstraw. So, unfortunately, oh, it was 77, right, Petey Wheatstraw? Yeah, same year as Star Wars. So, five years from now, he goes through some serious uh, stress and pain following this film, uh, you know, based on the events of it. I don't know if he's in uh, the sequel. Maybe I'll find out on my own time. Uh, but he ends up uh, as the uh, one, one half of Leroy and Skillet and eventually gets taken out by Mr. White and uh, ends up, uh, after the fact, working for uh, Lou Safer. So, uh, oh, he's a he's a minion of hell for sure. Gains a bunch of weight, loses a few <laughs> few feet off his height. <laughs> <laughs> Some hair has to wear a fisherman's uh, cap to hide it. <laughs> um, but he, right here, right here, he's uh, he's enjoying life. He's got a nice suit on. Oh yeah. Uh, he's hitting on this uh, camera woman that's walking around taking pictures. And then uh, this is where uh, Blackula walks in. This is so crazy because like Tina is scared shitless of this guy when he confronts her on the street. And he, like, walks into the club and looks over at her, and she immediately gets up from where she's sitting and goes over to him. Now, there's music playing, right? There's no dialogue at this point. Right. And you see them pantomiming to each other. He gives her back the purse, and she's all happy and shit, and then she, and then it cuts to her, and she's like, yeah, that's great. Come over and sit with my friends. Aren't you that guy that scared the shit out of me in the fucking alley and was chasing me? I mean, this movie, to me, <laughs> on some level, feels like it's trying to, like, have its cake and eat it, too, because it's like, like we were talking about earlier, like, it, it's not silly with some of the stuff, like, you know, just to keep referencing it a little bit here, the original, for lack of a better term, the Lego, I guess the original will be, you know, Nosferatu, technically, yeah. Uh, but but Dracula with Bella Lugosi with the stuff where you get the close-up on the eyes and some of the shit with the hands to indicate he's doing hypnosis. Now, several times throughout the film, Blackula says, well, I want to do this, you know, the right way. I don't want to use powers or whatever. Right. But... I don't know, man. I feel like I could have bought this uh, love angle that, that they're about to kind of kick off in this scene that, that kind of sticks throughout the whole film if it was uh, some of his magic. I'm sorry. I just I, I don't buy this at all. It's just weird how quickly this happens. I agree. I took it as, like, the story you get where the reincarnation trope exists where it is to, I guess, like, star-crossed lovers who are going to meet over and over again throughout different timelines and different lifetimes. No, totally. And she, and and, and you're, I think you're right about that, Connor. Like, she can have this deep feeling for him and not even quite understand it. And she does struggle with it throughout the movie. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I don't know. If, if you listen to the show, for some reason, this is, like, one of those things in movies that always drives me crazy. <laughs> I don't know what it is. The shoehorn love story. I mean, I get it. It's a Dracula trope, so I understand why it's in there. But I, I could have done for some little hokey fucking Lou Costello fucking and uh, motion, but hey, we're, that's not the kind of movie they were trying to make, and they just sure. But again, like this, the story kind of needs to be told with that element, especially for this incarnation of uh, the Dracula story. You know? No, yeah, I get that. But uh, he comes over, and like Joe was saying, she's terrified him of the day before. And now she's like, "Come and meet my friends! Yeah, come and my sister's over here! Come on!" Little does she know, Blackula already saw them. He knows exactly who they are. <laughs> I just want to make a note real quick. Michelle, her sister, my goodness, it's always so arresting to me when I see a person of color with uh, green or uh, blue eyes. I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah. I, I just love it. Like that dude from uh, Grey's Anatomy. I'm just like, wow, that man is extremely handsome. Well, the actor who played Warwick Davis on uh, CSI, uh, I think, had green eyes and red hair. And it's, it's he's a very interesting look. Warwick Davis? No, Warwick Davis. Warwick Brown. God damn it. <laughs> wow. I am tired. Okay. I was like, wow, that was a weird thing. Like, we're going to name our uh, character Warwick Davis. No relation to the uh, famous actor. Man, first Michael Clark Duncan and Michael J. White and now Warwick 
Gabriel Davis and Warwick Brown. Hey, hey, you know, I gotta say, I'll take I'll take the Michael Clark Duncan one because we got Mark Michael Clark Duncan Garris from Mortal Kombat somehow out of that. So I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, we got Garris Clark Duncan. That totally works though. If he was still around and there was a Mortal Kombat movie, he would totally play Garris. So there's like an in, there's like a quick scene where uh the morgue calls the club because Gordon's there and they tell him that the fucking Bobby's body's gone from the funeral home. Fussed its way out the window. And then Blackula is like, oh, well, I guess I gotta go. And, like, there's a chick walking around and, like, like in coffee where there's just, like, chicks taking pictures of people in a club. Because I guess it's Michelle's birthday. Yeah, there's a guy sitting there with a fucking eye patch. Yeah, he's there. He's in the back right now beating the shit out of the other one, taking the camera, ripping her fucking tits out. Blackula knows that if he gets his picture taken, he won't appear in the photo. So she takes his picture once. Somehow. I don't know how. But, like, she takes it once, and he's like, okay, I gotta fucking go now. Enough French champagne for me. So he goes to leave, and this chick takes another photograph of him with Tina. Yeah. So he's like, so Blackula's like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, oh, Tina, I need to see you again. We need to get together again. You know, meet me at the club uh, tomorrow night. Yep. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, to, to, to the credit of that dude from Coffee, uh, as, as uh, violent as he got, uh, Blackula tops him easily. Uh, cause, uh, she was sexually abused, not, not, uh, trying to downplay that at all, and violated, but, uh, this woman, she straight up gets murdered by, uh, Blackula. Uh, Mama Wandy does a fucking home invasion, like, he follows his girl back to her house to do this shit. Oh, it is a creepy goddamn scene. Yeah, look, he, he, you can even argue that he's given her the gift of eternal life. And damned her soul. <laughs> However, that other guy with the fucking eye patch was gonna rip that poor woman's breast off. Yeah, that's true. I forgot he did have a knife to her boob. That is a good point. Yeah. And Mama Wald, Ma Mama Walday's not ripping anybody's tits off in this movie. Sure. Just turning you into a flesh-eating freak. Yeah, got it. Hey, man, make me a vampire. You're right. Whoever said earlier, like, a lot of his actions in this movie are a result of, like, well, this is an obstacle I have to go peg, you know, knock down. Oh, yeah. Whereas, like, you know, in that movie, you had lots of, like, just degenerate pieces of human shit yes who were like let's be cruel for fun i mean they all definitely got theirs for sure oh yeah but yeah he uh this woman it's kind of cool she has a uh, dark room set up in her house in her kitchen yes and she's uh developing the photos and they they never show this second photo with them all together I was kind of waiting for it and we don't get it yeah uh but we see the main one of her that she took of blackula kissing Tina's hand and of course he's not in the picture and she's like what the hell and then all the pictures light on fire and then uh <laughs> <laughs> Winston Winston get us out of here Winston and then Winston has to come save them all with a fire extinguisher yes Ernie Hudson has to break down the door with a fucking fire extinguisher he breaks down her door while Blacklist is attacking her he's like oh yeah, wrong plate I'm sorry and just leaves and she's like wait <laughs> shoots mama all day with a fucking proton pack no he uses the uh Kamehameha wave obviously oh yeah, of course, duh. Right, fucking Dan Aykroyd's in the background still going about on about, like, Chicago-style pizza or some shit. Yeah, yeah, it was aliens or something. <laughs> yup. Yup. You imagine, like, a little, like, Sesame Street, like, fucking puppet, like, those yip-yip-yip things, but it's just Dan Aykroyd's head, and he's like, yup, 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 yup. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. All right, that might have to be something to uh, write down somewhere. We'll have to, you know, file that one away. The yup yups. But Sean, you're right, man. This is a creepy scene. Like, when he's, like, stalking her through the house, there's, like, ominous shadows, and the red light uh, contrasting, like, with him as he, like, spreads his cape open and it goes after her is pretty fucking sweet. I honestly would be surprised if other uh, directors and authors 
of of this uh, era if they saw this movie and kind of riffed on it because I, I don't know how uh, original some of this stuff was at the time. Maybe this uh, predates or postdates some other stuff that did similar things, but I really like the camera direction in this film uh, accompanied with the lighting and the music. It's just really... Uh, mm-hmm comes together to make something beautiful throughout. For sure, yeah. There's one shot in particular, it's an extended shot, that I found to be fucking terrifying, but we'll get to it. I also like the way the uh, the, the dark room is kind of setting a mood for the scene, because, like, everything is bathed in red uh, when he attacks, so it, it just it kind of just adds this interesting aesthetic to it. Yeah, it's really cool. So he bites her, and she, this is one of the more odd things of the movie, because she, like, stumbles outside, and a cop that we get introduced to earlier in the movie sees her and is like oh what's the matter with you whatever and he like picks her up and he goes to take her into the house and she immediately is already a vampire yeah also weird that he would just bring her back into the house like what where yeah what are you doing there bud she obviously needs help dude yeah he's like confused at first he's like wait do you live here all right i'll bring you in it- oh well back to bed with you yeah <laughs> It's the classic logic, you know. We we talked about it last year when we did John Carpenter's Vampires, and it's like... What, are you drunk? Well, maybe that, too. But I, I mean the idea that it's like, you know, whatever the plot dictates is how fast you're going to transform. It's like, like most zombie movies kind of work the same way. Sure. It, it, you know, I thought you were going to say he was going to give her the old Daniel Baldwin, and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, what, stripper and, and tie her to a bed and then, like, leave and come back with some hamburgers in a, in a fucking smelly bag and throw them on a table? <laughs> Here's why this is a good thing okay listen to me everything i'm about to say is bullshit (laughs) no he uh you know the cop comes in here she turns into a vampire and then he's quickly disposed of he sure is Barnes, by the way, is his name. He is one of those uh, T-1000s Connor was uh, mentioning earlier, so... <laughs> There's so many of them. They all have the same outfit. <laughs> hey, you know, if you uh, you don't have enough money to pay a few extra extras, uh, give him the fucking police helmet in the costume and just say, ah, just don't look at the camera. Okay, look at me, look at me. Okay, say, get out. So we cut back to the police station, and Gordon is trying to find leads about the killings, and there are none. Yeah, and he's talking to... I, I, I kept referring to him as his partner, but I know, obviously, that's not how it was. He's like the police police chief but this guy yeah, he's the chief uh i would I, you know maybe the audience can answer this question for me or maybe we'll answer it as we continue but i was kind of conflicted on who this character reminded me of uh my, my main one just that came to mind immediately was fanducci from the runestone the only thing he was missing was the greatest candy in the world and uh columbo the famous frank columbo those were the two that came to mind i don't know if you guys have any opinions on that he reminds me of nash from black christmas Ooh, okay okay completely incompetent <laughs> He does have like a like a softened Peter Falk look to him, like not quite as as. That's what I'm saying. Kind of. Yeah, like it's not quite there, but yeah, I see it. He looks more like the uh, the principal from Breakfast Club to me. Oh my god! Yes, yes. that too. This, that's what he did after this shit show. He couldn't take it anymore. He fucking left the force. It's what happens when that guy and Peter Falk do the fusion dance, or they have the patara earrings. Oh, there you go. Sure, sure. Uh, but anyway, he's he's kind of an interesting character, Lieutenant Peters. He doesn't really add a ton to the film. He's kind of just there to be like the one police officer that Thomas kind of deals with that eventually believes him. But for most of the film, he's just kind of the cop connection. He's just the he's the denier the whole time. Yeah. He's like the guy that's like, you're full of shit, Gordon. You're fucking crazy, Gordon. Vampires, Gordon. Shut up, Gordon. Yeah. And he's like trying to get like a uh, what is he trying to get a permit to like dig up the one body? Yeah. He's trying to get a permit to dig up Billy's grave because he wants because he's like, oh, I don't have all the pieces together yet for this case, but I think uh, it has 
something to do with the bodies and who's killing them and blah, blah, blah. You're out of line. Give me a badge, your gun, your cross, your steak, your garlic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the pathologist. But yeah, the whole thing too is like he's noticed on both bodies now, uh, Bobby's and now uh, the, the uh, cab driver that they have that bite mark on their necks. It was a big brown snake. He spits in a fucking uh, spittoon, this big fucking ping. <laughs> but he's like, all right, yeah, I'll try to get the permit, but don't, you, you, you can't really count on me for it. And he sure can't because later he straight up just tells him, no, you can't. And then, because, like, Gordon and Michelle are just, like, in their office together, because Michelle's also, like, a pathologist, and they get the call from the chief, and he's like, nope, can't help you, and he's like, fuck it, and Gordon's like, well, we gotta go dig up Billy, and Michelle's like, what, are you fucking crazy? And then he persuades her sexually (laughs) to go with him. Oh, yeah, they fuck. Oh, yeah. No, Gordon, yes. Well, okay. All right, well, we are together, it's not like we weren't gonna do this anyway. Yeah. If you were just gonna do it. It, then why did you go through all the hoops to get a permit? Like, just do it. Like, clearly you didn't give a shit. Like, <laughs> just dig up the grave. It was a good excuse to get laid. You know, they both were into it. He also doesn't need Michelle there at all, because as we find out, like, a little bit later, well, we'll get to it. I, I think it's that whole idea that it's just like, let's find scenes for these characters, and it's also like, maybe he just wants a second hand there so that when he finds this shit... They just, somebody believes him, so it's not just him. Yeah, no, I get that. I do things by the book until I don't need to. There's a weird little scene here where, like, he moves his newspaper, and he has, like, books about vampirism, like, underneath them, and he's, like, reading them. Yeah, he's got a book, like, The Dead Ones or something like that, like, at the top of the pile. And it's, like, this dramatic music's playing as it's, like, kind of zooming in and out around him as he's, like, reading it. It's like, Aah! So Mama Walde goes to go see um, Tina, and she's like, wait a second, I thought we were meeting at the club. He's like, no, that's fine, I came to see you. By the way, you know, you're my wife. Yeah! She's like, what, really? She's like, sounds legit. (laughs) Sure, I guess. Understood, have a good night. I guess I must have done that in a former life. Uh, Yeah, sure. Because she's like, that's impossible, and he's like, you believe it, though, and she's like, yeah, I do. Such your feelings. <laughs> you know it to be true. So Blackula gives us a little bit more of a backstory here. He's he tells her that like they were from the Aboni tribe and um how they went to Dracula's castle to stop the slave trade and how he was cursed and and all that stuff. And he's basically just like, Yeah, I want you to rejoin me, like come you know, join me by my side again, basically. He's like he wants to turn her into a fucking vampire. So they fuck, of course. Yes, yeah, so they fuck. It's a little bit more explicit uh than the other one. Um, but, uh, yeah, now they're just kind of together, you know, before, before they have sex, he does try to, like, leave, and she's like, wait, no, I do want to be with you, and it's like, oh, okay, sure, that's all it took, one conversation, after he kind of just, like, showed up at your house unannounced, all right. Well, unlike Gary Oldman, he wants Tina to love him willingly. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, though. Man, this movie's setting, setting trends that would soon be followed and picked up by Twilight, 40 fucking years later with vampires boning. (laughs) Shooting dust, man. Cobwebs come out of there. That's horrifying. (laughs) They don't got shit on me. (laughs) So from there, we go right to the graveyard, and Gordon and Michelle are fucking digging up Billy. I don't know why, but I immediately thought of Beetlejuice. I I don't know. (laughs) Draw a door. Yeah, I didn't think of Beetlejuice, but I started laughing my ass off when he gets to Billy, and, you know, Billy's a fucking vampire. Surprise. He gets up and, like, there's a tussle, but, like, you're so distracted by Michelle just screaming her ass off the entire scene. And he's just like, and then she's like, Gordon, watch out! Gordon, Gordon, Gordon! 
Courtney's having the fight of his life with this vampire, and she's just screaming her ass off. P.D. Weedstraw looks over. He's like, what the fuck? Going to get, going to get his cane? <laughs> What is happening? Also, at some point, he is just slamming a stake into this vampire over and over again at some point. It looks like he's just beating a corpse. Oh, yeah. Dude, he has this stake, and he, like, jumps down onto Billy and impales him with it. Then he takes the shovel and fucking hammers it into his chest. It's great. And she... She'll keep screaming louder every time he does it. She thinks she's killing him. Like, he's just like a regular dude. Oh, it's, it's so amusing. <laughs> and then he turns back to uh, normal after he's killed. And, and then basically Dr. Thomas and Michelle are like, okay, well, uh, oh, shit. What about that other body? Okay, let's, uh, let's call Sam and see if he can defrost that for some... <sighs> I still don't know why they needed this body defrosted to fucking take it out. Well, it, it, okay, so so they so they're like, oh shit, Bobby's still running around out there because he's vanished from the fucking uh, morgue. Oh right, yeah, or the funeral home rather. And they call up Sam to pull. Yeah, like Sean said, they call up Sam to pull Juanita out of the fucking freezer. And it's like, why? Why would you have this old man with a hook hand pull this vamp? You know it's a vampire. Why would you pull him, pull it out and then tell him to leave it there to defrost it? Why don't you just... All right, Sam, I want you to close all the windows. Don't let any sunlight get in there. Take all your crosses. Take them off the walls. Yeah, but he also, like, it's this thing where it's implied where, like, this guy's unreliable because he has to tell him, like, three times to lock the door and the guy keeps, like, kind of poo-pooing him. <laughs> he, he knows this guy is incompetent and has him do it anyway. And he's like, listen... Don't forget to shut the door and lock it after you take her out of the freezer. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, okay. Yeah, lock the freezer, unlock the door. I got it. <laughs> lock the girl, freeze the door. I got it. I just, I don't understand why you needed this fucking woman defrosted to put a stake through her heart. Like, what was he going to just see? Okay, did she turn into a vampire? Okay, she just opened her eyes. They're yellow. She has fangs. Hold her down with all your strength because it's a fucking vampire while I insert this stake. Like, I don't get, I mean, the game plan is, hey, we need up the body count. Let's kill this old fucking moron. Sure. Uh, bad plan. Yeah, but we don't even see it. Um, this reminded me a lot of, like, Salem's Lot in the morgue scene. This is the sequence that I thought was fucking petrifying. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, so it cuts back to Sam, like, at the morgue, and it shows Juanita, is her name? Yeah. Yeah, like, on a table... And then at some point, like, Sam wanders in the hallway, and of course he doesn't fucking lock the door. Yeah, he, the, the phone rings, and he gets distracted, and he leaves. Yeah, and then, like, Juanita gets off the table, but, like, the way they film this, her coming at him, is this a slow motion with, like, frames missing, like, zoom-in shot of her running down the hallway in full vampire regalia, and it's... The way it's shot is chilling, and I love it. I love what they do, too. I kind of, like, the reason that he takes the body out is stupid, but, like, I like the idea that she's frozen, essentially, and then you watch her basically thaw out, like, before your eyes. And then, and then like Connor said, yeah, she runs down the hallway. And it's creepy as fuck, dude, and it's, like, quiet, and, and it's, like, slow-mo running. And it's kind of doing that $6 million man sound, like... Kinda, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I guess that is a good argument for it to happen. I just, from the logic of characters doing stupid things, it jumps out at me. But yeah, I got to agree. That scene is really well done. It's a contrivance to set up a really good scare. So I'm kind of okay with it being there. And the makeup specifically on this uh, vampire is really like well done. Yeah, this is kind of the movie was like, hey, remember the fact that when we, when we said this was a horror movie? Well, we're going to remind you of it like right now. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, this the back half of the movie, like other than maybe like the last five minutes, like it's pretty 
pretty uh, intense. Yeah, it's pretty and it's played it's straight for sure. But then we cut to Blackula getting his fucking dick wet, and then he's like, "Okay, I got to leave because the sun's coming up." Bye. That's not weird or anything. Oh, he she knows he's a vampire. He's like, "Look, when the time's right, I'll turn you into an engazer. It won't hurt or anything. It'll be fine. Okay, you don't have to choose now. We got all the time in the world." The interview team later, they're like, "Did you really believe when he said vampire?" She's like, "No, I thought he meant like you know rich or something. Like it was a metaphor." <laughs> He th- I thought he was going to take me to Europe. I don't know. I thought he just owned land. The cape, the uh, the fangs, none of that. Uh, the fact that <laughs> None of that rang a bell for you? The fact that he told you he's a vampire and was transformed by Count Dracula, none of that? <laughs> yeah, how about the ice-cold body on top of you? Yeah, I just thought he had money. I do like that uh, Dracula here, when he's kind of in his dressed-down uh, clothes, he just has a black tank top on. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of hilarious, that 1700s... 1780 uh, Blackula has a fucking tank top on. Maybe he got one from now. Who knows, you know? Yeah, yeah. It keeps me warm under my thin shirt. I like these modern clothing techniques you have. Stole it from one of his uh, thralls that he created. It keeps my chest warm, but my arms feel breezy. It keeps my nipples from getting chafed from my dress shirt. (laughs) What, that's never (laughs) happened to you before? Okay. So this is about the time when... Dr. Thomas just decides, okay, I guess I I, got to take on that Van Helsing role a little bit more seriously and grabs this, like, Belmont-ass fucking cross that he carries around the rest of the movie. This, like, two, like, uh, like foot-tall cross, this metal cross. Oh, dude, he definitely needed a whip to get that out of a fucking candle. (laughs) Yeah, right. But, yeah, he gets to the fucking, he gets to the precinct in the morgue, like, an hour later. (laughs) Sam's long dead. Right. And Juanita's, like, just sleeping on a bed. Right, and that... And that's what causes him to then, you know, ramp up with the fucking, uh, you know, the holy water and the crosses and everything else. Because now he's got to go to war against a vampire. It's pretty cool, man. She jumps out and starts fucking busting ass. And he, like, gets her with the cross and then, like, opens the shades and hits her with the sunlight. Yes, I love it. The only thing I didn't like was that, like, she doesn't smoke or anything. She just kind of falls down and dies. Yeah. I think that's just the budgetary thing, 100%, though. Sure. Yeah, it's like sunlight causes cardiac arrest in vampires, I suppose. Question mark. I guess you could make an argument that a little dry ice uh, might not have cost that much, but uh, hey... We got what we got, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, man. And then we're fucking jamming ag- we're jamming out again back at the club with the Hughes Corporation yes. for part two of the music video. Mama Walde shows up to uh, see Tina, and uh, he sits down with Michelle and Gordon, and Gordon knows full well that he's a fucking vampire at this point, right? He killed Billy, he killed Juanita, um, and he's got a really good idea that uh, Mama Walde is, like, the, the main vampire, because he's like... Hey, how you doing, Mama Walde? Hey, let me ask you a question. You ever, you like the occult? Yeah! <laughs> Mama Walde's like, uh, yes, I find it fascinating or whatever. Okay, yeah. Okay, I have to comment on the fact that, like, Mama Walde is like, he walks into this trap and just gets snared, like, 18 <laughs> times. He doesn't give a shit about any kind no, of evasive no. answer. He's like, you like the occult? He's like, love the occult. It's like, what about vampires? Love them. They're the best. They're the greatest. I love them. I have no bias towards them. Whatever. <laughs> He's like, do you believe in vampires? He's like, well, do we not believe in the devil? (laughs) Wink, wink, elbow, elbow. Yeah. And he goes, what about devil worship? How do you feel about that? He's like, well, great power must come from somewhere. (laughs) Also great responsibility. (laughs) Uncle Ben's behind him just raising a glance. Like, 
<laughs> Gives him a thumbs up. I, I mean, traditionally speaking, I mean, do Dracula or vampires get it, get their powers from some, like, satanic shit or some kind of equivalent more times than not? No, yeah, well, Deep D vampire lore at the core, yeah, they're technically the undead driven by hell and or Satan or whatever. Same with werewolves. I've always taken it as, like, it's not strictly an influence of hell, the devil, but, like, it is unholy and goes against the face of God. Like, it's... Sure. It's not quite you know for the one thing but it's very much against the other yeah but um, that's what i'm saying those old ass legends are specifically about that especially like even in werewolf werewolf uh lore like making a deal with the devil and that's your kind of your curse you know but yeah man he's just like oh yeah totally vampires rule the occult is awesome i love being evil (laughs) i love it i live next door to jerry dandridge yeah like (laughs) i'll take a bloody mary (laughs) i'll take a bloody mary I i don't drink what what do you think of sunlight there, Mum? What a hate it. Can't stand it. Can't stand one second of it. Don't like it at all. What about crosses? Hate him too. Why do you ask? Why don't you have a sip of water? I'll decline. <laughs> Skillet, meanwhile, while he's going on and getting grilled by uh, Gordon, he's like, "Hey, where's the uh, where's that camera girl? I haven't seen her lately. I I, I got to get her number." They're like, "Yeah, we haven't seen her around." And that black kid was like sweating bullets. Like, "Ooh, ah, yeah, I don't know about her. Yeah, no. Oh, Tina, by the way, uh." Again, here's a scene where maybe a, uh, a close-up on the eyes or something would have indicated something to us, the audience, but no. It's just implied that he uses some kind of uh, hypnosis on her to follow him. Kind of. That, I mean, that's how I read it. Mumwald is like, hell of a storm, Wilp, we gotta go. <laughs> And then Gordon's like, hmm, that was really fucking fishy. I think I'm going to go over to that waitress's house and investigate. Yeah. Well, he does go there, and, like, again, Blackula just leaves the fucking body there. Like, the house is a wreck. He does not give a shit that he is just going... There's no body. They're all gone. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. But I'm sure he just finds the the, the wreckage. I didn't even think about that shit. Yeah. Regardless, he's like, oh, shit. And I think... He, oh, no, he finds the negative. He finds the negative, and he's like, oh. Yeah, Michelle's like, oh, where the fuck are my birthday pictures, by the way? And he's like, hmm, I guess that's why I'll go over there to ask her where the pictures are. And that's he finds the negative he doesn't find the developed photograph of all of them sitting at the table <laughs> I, I like I said earlier I was waiting for that right but he finds the negative of uh, t- uh Tina and and the non-existent uh Mama Walde in the photo and then he's like son of a bitch proof I'm gonna take a guess and just say they forgot to take the picture without him sitting there and they just they had the other one because it was in the script so they just kind of ran with it this will be our Chekhov's gun <laughs> and they just forget about it (laughs) so i I think there is a confrontation here where gordon runs out and has a confrontation with uh mama walde and like well he he does just quickly drop off uh, michelle at uh peter's house uh and basically their wives kind of bunker down with the fucking richter belmont cross Yes. Uh, while the the pathologist and lieutenant hit the road to go after the uh, vampire. <laughs> oh yeah, man! Bloody kick up that bloody tears. Yep. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> So, 
<laughs> so like Tina's with uh, Mama Walde and the cops show up and he's like cop one of the one of the T one thousands is like, Hey buddy, stop and he, I love how Mama Walde just runs away instead of like flying away or like slinking into the shadows or something. It's just some guy running around in a cape. Yeah. There is this creepy scene here where like he is in the shadows and this is the first time somebody kind of draws a gun on him and just unloads in him and he like doesn't die obviously and he just like chokes this fucking dude out and throws him against the wall so mama wally disappears um into the shadows and they're one cop down again they're one t1000 down again and there's an apb out for bobby because they're like well he's just disappeared so so these two cops find him walking the street and uh you know they alert the chief and gordon and they, they go after him so they end up tailing bobby to the fucking warehouse where it all started with the coffin and stuff and then they have this epiphany like oh that's where uh the coffin is to stop uh mama walde and then they assemble like a whole team that goes there and they go into this fu- into the indiana jones warehouse they go after bobby and they start like shooting him or whatever and bobby kills this fucking cop and then all of us this is like the nest right all of these fucking vampires come out oh yeah they come out of their fucking boxes and coffins and styrofoam dude it's great and and again it's like we were talking about earlier i guess in this particular film if you get bit by a vampire it's either i guess he can just make it so you don't transform immediately or you just otherwise transform immediately because this cop is already up with fucking fangs well you know, in addition to their scripts, they got, like, a little timetable from Daniel Baldwin. He's like, all right, so you'll transform in between here and here, okay? But I'll be half the whole time, okay? Yeah, I'll stay right here neutral until the story dictates that I change. Which is never, by the way. <laughs> I love it, too. Just to carry that fucking Castlevania reference, dude. They start throwing oil lamps at these vampires and setting them on fire. It's fucking amazing. What the fuck? Yeah, and they have an infinite amount. Like, they just keep pulling them from nowhere. Well, like Joe said, like Castlevania, they're basically like the holy water vials you throw at fucking monsters. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they, they're like consumables. But, but like, they're not lit. If you just threw this at these things, I just assumed they would just break and get some fucking oil yeah. on them. No, they literally explode like <laughs> Molotov cocktails. They are combustibles. Like, they just throw them and things burst into flames. Oh, my God. And these these thralls are walking around on fire, just bursting into flames, like, in these horrid images. So good. It's kind of a cool uh, sequence from just me, an action stunt perspective, because, like, a lot of these people are doing full fire walks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're using, like, you know, lots of big flaming seg- uh, sections of the set. Like, it is very uh impressive it's a huge accent sequence like right here we lost part of the mdu museum uh or, or warehouse in this fire unfortunately yeah what what do they burn down in there what did we lose uh, <laughs> probably a few episodes from the first season and unfortunately <laughs> this is like rome when they burnt those fucking libraries yeah all of the rawhead dead is gone <laughs> It's in the basement. Yeah, where the yeah where the where his altar was. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's where the uh, the basement was where the little shard was for the glass. Yes, go listen back to that first episode if you want to know what the fuck we're talking about. This is some deep cuts here. The fucking the the time turner from fucking Turtles Three was there. It was a whole thing. Oh yeah. Um. So one of the cops that the chief I guess was like friends with is a vampire now. So he's like walking towards him and Gordon, and he has one of the fucking holy water. Well, not the holy water. The fucking lamp vials. And Gordon's like, throw it at him, throw it! And then he's, like, hesitating. So Gordon finally takes this and just nails this guy in the fucking chest, like, point blank, and he just bursts into flames. It's awesome. Slam cut to, like, a church tomorrow. They're like, where do all of our holy water casks go? Like, we had a whole box that was supposed to be here today. You even know what happened to those? I love how, like, these things are basically priceless antiques that Bobby and Billy, like, were keeping in this place, and they're just yeah. smashing vampires. 
vampires with it? Explosive fucking lamps from 1780, I guess. Oh, you think they were blessed oil, you think? Maybe. You never know. Maybe, you know, after Dracula was killed, they could have blessed the entire place. Well, they kind of do. <laughs> fucking, they bless it with fire because it burns the fuck down. They, they christened it with fire. Yeah. yeah. Kind of lines up for me now that, we, now that he put it into that perspective. So after he, they nail that cop, one more vampire comes out and Gordon hits this thing with a shovel breaks it over its fucking head, and then stakes it on the ground. <laughs> it's fucking cool. Gordon gets really stab-happy at some point in this movie, like right around the graveyard sequence, and then he's just like, I am a fucking vampire slayer. Like, oh yeah. So they slam this giant metal door to keep all the burning vampires inside so they die, and Mama Walde comes up and he's like, hello, gentlemen, looks like you found my nest. Well, fuck you. You'll never find me or my coffin. Bye. Good job fighting all of my putties. <laughs> so he turns into a bat and flies away, and the fucking uh, police chief has a fucking bird, man. So the chief fucking shits his pants, and um, Gordon and Michelle go to see Tina to try to get her to help them find uh, Mama Walde's coffin. And she's like, I can't, I love him, or whatever. Uh. She's like, what do you mean you love him? And she's like, I can't. She's like, what do you mean you can't? He's killed police officers and civilians. Ah, I'm, st- I'm, I'm in love. What if, what if it's us next? She doesn't help them. And now there's like a giant ruckus outside a crowd of people because this fucking warehouse is going up in flames and uh mama walde's on the fucking rooftop like batman and this is where he like beckons her to come out of the room because he like right breaks through the window as a bat and then like mind controls her and she ends up like going downstairs and walking to find uh mama walde and then they kind of uh how the fuck do they track him down actually well the chief the chief is smart because like they realize that tina has kind of slipped out and she he knows that she's going to see him so they just like back off and like let her lead them to him basically oh right yeah, and he basically sets up police on, like, almost every corner, and then as soon as one of them spots her, they basically are like, oh, we found her, and they, they all uh, beeline to her location. Yeah, they track him to, like, this big chemical plant or refinery or some shit. They track them to the end of the Incredible Melting Man, okay? Like, on the other side of the complex is Dr. Ted Nelson chasing around his friend who's dissolving, okay? <laughs> This whole end feels like a tale, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark or like Tales from the Dark Side episode. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I will say like this, outside of uh, Michelle screaming in the grave sequence, this whole climax has one particular shot that knocked me the fuck over. I was laughing so hard. So there's some funny scenes in this, but there's some fucked up shit that happens in these scenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, especially given like, I don't know how, like, because I thought the whole mission was like, oh, track Tina, we're going to get the vampire. Someone was like, cool, track the vampire shoot tina i got it yeah <laughs> what the fuck I, I i literally like for i don't know i'm not gonna say a minute but like a good 20 or 30 seconds i was literally like just saying what the fuck yeah you should, what the fuck what the fuck you fucking uh, like I, I hate this cop like he, he just shoots tina as as she's running away with blackula I'm like, how the fuck you fucked this up, man? Like, you just fucking killed her. Yeah, kills her dead. Yeah, like, they're running down this hallway, and like like you said, it's like a chemical factory. Like, it, honestly, I was wrong. It's not Incredible Melting Man. Like, this is the opening of Batman. <laughs> it's Ace Chemical! 
Nichols. Yeah, Jack Napier's being dropped into a fucking thing of the Eckhart's like, <laughs> think about the future. Blah, blah, blah. He's getting shot. <laughs> They're running down this hallway, and this cop, like, he doesn't even give, like, a really distinct warning. He's like, hey, what's up? And just goes, like, three-quarter stance, bang, just shoots Tina. I don't think he even says anything. He just no! opens fire on them and shoots Tina. And then he gets his fucking shit rocked. Oh, yeah, Blackula's not having any. This time, he actually eviscerates the guy. He fucking throws them all. He's smashing them into fucking pipes. He he palpatines the son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's giving him James T. Kirk uh, overhead hammer fists. He's he's backhanding him, throwing him into pipes. Skull cracking his ass. But then he ends up biting Tina to save her. He's like, well, uh, we were gonna do this a different way, but since you're dying, here we go. And then he bites her and turns her into a vampire. Had to scrap the old plan, here comes the new one. Wasn't counting on getting shot. Here you go. <laughs> Wasn't counting on the police officer shooting you in the back. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh no so all the other cops get there and now that he had to kind of turn her into a vampire he's pissed so he kind of announces to them all I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna let any of you get away you're all gonna die this is so great because he, he now you gotta understand too like marshall has like this booming regal voice oh yeah and it's just like listen up motherfuckers you fucked my shit up, and you you couldn't just leave me alone, so guess what? Look around you, because this is your fucking tomb now, motherfucks. Yeah, like, he's he has the voice where he doesn't even need, like, an amplifier. Like, the acoustics of this building are just enough for his voice to just carry this this giant message of doom. And it sounds amazing. He's, uh, I saw, I saw the, uh, the wiki, this, he was known for his bass voice. Like, he had this very distinct sound. Mm-hmm. It's really excellent. And then he and then he travels around this chemical plant and just uses <laughs> the power of pro wrestling to beat the shit get out of all these cops it just like he sneaks up on this one dude and it just cuts because he throws him into all his electrical qu- equipment and he just explodes and then blankula's climbing up a ladder like <laughs> like yeah he's he's pressing people like through there's like random pits in this <laughs> in this fucking chemical plant uh and then he makes his way upstairs and this guy shoots him again and he like smacks him into a wall and then fucking just picks him up and throws him over a fucking balcony yeah well then my favorite one is like it's so it's a shot of like black and like an elevated plane like this catwalk and a guy coming towards him at a lower level one of these cops and this cop has no idea what's about to happen <laughs> black like just looks around him picks up this like doom-esque black barrel and just fucking overhead chucks it at this dude and he just eats <laughs> shit from three stories up like it is hyster- and it's one shot it's hysterical it's a giant wide shot and he picks up this yeah. 50 gallon drum and just fucking brains this guy from the third story building Bong! and he just falls over twice he throws another barrel at him when he's down it's great so after he decimates this police force we cut back to gordon and um peters and they found the casket yep sure did now i don't get this i, I okay i'm about to say i don't get this but I, I totally get the logic of what they're thinking but this just pissed me off beyond belief because they're like okay we're gonna open the casket and as soon as i open it you're gonna stake down in the heart before he gets a chance to react well this made me think of fargo season one where where Bilbo Baggins himself, Martin Freeman, basically knows that Billy Bob Thornton's out to kill his ass, so he sends his fucking wife in to do something, uh, and gets her basically killed in his place. 
This is what happens! Blackula does not give a shit about this woman at all! Well, I don't think that's the case. I think he made a really piss poor plan. He's like, you sit here, nothing should happen to you whatsoever. There's no reason for me to think about that. Yeah! Yeah. In my coffin that they've been looking for! I gotta go do some wrestling to these cops, okay? You sit here. If he if he just put that coffin in a more, like, advantageous place for him, like, more hidden, rather, it would have made sense. Like, here, okay, you're turning, you need to be safe, so here, you get in the coffin because it's 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 also dawn by this point too right so gordon like pulls the fucking coffin open and peters brings the fucking stake down and puts it right through tina's heart and it's just like another thing to be like fuck me man like not only did they shoot this woman and then she became a vampire they fucking killed her like in a you know what i mean yeah it's really sad this character never really gets any positive closer she's just kind of uh, taken advantage of by this guy because she's kind of a desperate soul almost and uh she's vulnerable and he uses this uh, story about his wife when he was alive 200 years ago to get sympathy. And then she just gets fucking shot by a cop and fucking turned into a vampire and immediately murdered. So fucked up. And what really pisses me off about this ending is that Mama Walde never kills Gordon or Peters, right? No. He, like, walks up on them and he's like, and they take out a cross. He's like, I don't, know, don't, don't worry about that. I'm good. I got no reason to live if she's dead. Welp. Yeah, he's like, well, things have changed. A cop shoots her in the head, you turn into a vampire, and you go, this is the end of all battles, the, the one to end all wars. They kill her for real this time. Well, I guess that's that. Well, shit's fucked. Like, he should have twisted their fucking heads off. Right, and and, and then did what he did, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I could see that happening. I do kind of think it's an interesting character trait to come so far and then, like, have two colossal failures in such a short window and be like, well, I see no reason to pursue this any further. Better suicide. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, that's kind of, it's, I don't know, I don't see that too often where he's like, well, defeat is clearly inevitable, so. He accepts the defeat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like, right away. And uh, he does that by crawling up to the roof. Okay, I have to point something out here, and I was dying the whole time, because he he makes the decision to, he's like, alright, well, like, if this is it, this is it. I'm gonna go walk into the sunlight. So he has this very, very dramatic and kind of, you know, uh, serious walk up the staircase. But as it's cut to the shot of him coming outside, there's a sign above the staircase that says no smoking. I was like, please, <laughs> please, please burst into flames right there. Yeah, that never happens. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I'm pissed. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that other one didn't burn up. So what's going to happen to him? So he so he, you know, the sun kills him and he like drapes the cape over his head or whatever. And um Gordon and Peters come up and they like take the cape off of him and his face is just like mushy shit with like maggots in his eyes and stuff. Yeah, those maggots worked fast. Yeah. And then he just kind of dries up into a skeleton and literally the movie just fucks off. <laughs> and the movie goes the movie goes, "All right, get out of here. We're, we're done. <laughs> Leave. Get we're done. We're we're wrapping this up. Get the fuck out." The skull is not on screen for but 2 seconds and then the credits start rolling over it. Yeah. <laughs> Get bent. Get out of here. Go. <laughs> I am at least, uh, you know, looking forward to the sequel to find out, like, how we go from that to him being alive again. But I guess his body didn't just turn into nothing. So. Oh, dude, I'm psyched. Well, it was it was a paramedic that he switched. <laughs> oh, obviously. <laughs> his larynx had been crushed, dude. That's what happened. He hired Jimmy from Petey Weekstraw <laughs> to make him a mask. 
and put it on a different guy. Okay. You know, he's an, he's an expert at that kind of thing. What you're going to do is go over to these cops and then tell them that you're good and then go upstairs. And then, you know, just die. Make sure you mention you got to do a, med- a meditation. <laughs> a deep sleep. Otherwise, they won't believe it. Yeah, and then, you know, and then the real Blackula goes over to Jamie Lee Curtis in the asylum and they have their final standoff. <laughs> Am I thinking of a different movie? Maybe I think of a different movie. Yeah, I think so. Okay, could be wrong. I don't know it. Like, okay, so William Marshall's in the second one, but I've never seen the second one, so I don't know if it's like a different Blackula, a different misadventure, or the same Blackula brought back via voodoo with Pam Greer and stuff. I'm not exactly sure, but I definitely want to watch it. Same. So, uh, where are you putting this, fellas? Uh, shelf. This was a delight. Okay, it's a little slow in the middle. Like, it kind of feels longer than it did at some points. Because mm. it does kind of like there's a little bit of a section where it's kind of like. Eh, what are you doing? This feels kind of like wheel spinny, but everything surrounding that is really good. Um, it's very tight and like uh, beginning and end. It's really well shot. It looks really good despite being you know a little ludicrous, and it's just it has an air of sincerity that really kind of you know adds some credibility to the whole thing, and it's just really fun. And and I didn't expect a straight up horror film, and I really like it. So yeah, shelf. Oh uh, yeah, definitely shelf for me too. What Marshall brought to this character, I think, greatly in, uh, amplifies the story because like if it didn't have that background of him being like an African prince and trying to stop uh, the slavery, the slave trade, and things and stuff like back in the 1780s, um, I don't know if it would have that big of an impact for me rather than just like well here's a black guy and he's a vampire now yeah i don't mean to interrupt you joe but it's like that intro even though it was a little slow i I really appreciate it because exactly what you said it gives this character more dimension uh because the movie could easily have just opened in 1970 and they're they're unloading this fucking boat yeah and and he could have just had that like little stupid like lore dump like later which he does but it was it's a lot more effective to see those events actually play out and again it adds a level of weight to the story that it i think if you're going to do this it totally needed and um yeah it was it's great like it's a ton of fun like it's a really good well put together uh horror movie uh vampire movie too um and again especially dealing with specifically black and african-american themes and all that kind of stuff and like bringing that into like rolling that and folding it into the lore of dracula is pretty fucking awesome i kind of love that and yeah the movie itself like connor had already said it shot really well and the lighting is really fucking good in a lot of scenes um and it feels and it's very moody and atmospheric and it doesn't feel like an exploitation movie like it feels like it's from the 70s for sure but it doesn't feel like that gritty uh kind of feel like we saw with like coffee or 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 pd wheat straw um and again it's take it takes itself very seriously for the most part i feel like there's not a lot of comedy and when there is comedy it's kind of off the mark and i don't care for that for those portions of it but um this fucking movie grooves um i love it shelf yeah i don't know if i go so far as to say i love it but it's absolutely a shelf movie without a doubt um I enjoyed most of this film, but I got to agree with Connor. There's definitely a portion. I I would say it sags a little in the middle, but uh, once we kind of uh, get a little heavier into the police aspect of it, if that makes any sense, like the part of the story where uh, Thomas and Peters are starting to put it together and now the heat is on Blackula, uh, I feel like it becomes a lot more interesting for me. Uh, Just that also the love story I get. Again, it's like kind of riffing on that age old Dracula trope. Uh, but I felt like it was a little shoehorned. But other than that, I mean, those sound like big nitpicks coming from me, but they're really minor things in the long run. Um, I, I like this movie a lot, and uh, 
I'm glad it was played straight, uh, and it absolutely paved the way for other movies in the future. And, you know, I had said a little bit earlier in this episode how I wonder how horror, and I guess maybe just films in general, like, people looked at this film and and kind of cherry-picked ideas or, uh, you know, maybe even stuff this movie was uh, influenced by. Uh, But I could imagine this had a huge impact on the film industry, especially being, what did you say, the first uh, black uh, actor playing a a vampire or Dracula specifically? The first black vampire in film, and uh, and it's touted as the first black horror movie. That's pretty impressive. A hell of a fucking way to kick it off. Like, think about it that way. Uh, You set the bar pretty high. Uh, so, so I guess after all that said and done, this is definitely a shelf movie. Yeah, man, it's a great flick. So yeah, make sure, uh, we, whoa, we got a bunch of stuff came out this month, okay? We, we got more stuff coming up, uh, for March, but, uh, you should have enough to tide you over for the moment. What do we got? We got that My Bloody Valentine 3D commentary, if you haven't heard yes. that one. Uh, that's <laughs> Patreon only, and we have a book to the movie that's also Patreon only. Raise it back! Um, so you might want to go sign up for that. It's only five bucks, right? You get that, get those bonus episodes and commentaries. Yeah, we got a brand new series out called Talks from the Dark Side with our good friend Chris Barr. And uh, don't forget, we have the, we have two Patreon exclusives from last year. We have that first book to the movie, The Frankenstein Unbound, and the Gator Face commentary that are f- are free to everybody now. So you can get those right in the right in the main feed. And uh, we will be releasing uh, certain episodes later after they've premiered for Patreon uh, members. But if you want to get it now, you want to get that stuff now. You know, pay that five bucks, get that stuff right now instead of waiting a couple months for that. And then, of course, you obviously get some perks. Uh, for being on the Patreon, some behind-the-scenes stuff, and maybe uh, some early uh, previews of things we're working on. Early previews, you get some sticker packs, you get some t-shirts. With that with that $10 tier, you get a t-shirt and a pin. Yep. And for no money at all, you don't even have to sign up for the Patreon. You know what really helps us out? Go to the Apple Podcast, leave us a five-star review and uh, of the show. If you dig it, because you know what? That helps us get into the eardrums of more people and, you know, spread that love around. Spread some, spread that dump, spread that garbage around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> spread that dump. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if it appeals to you, we always uh, try to shout out uh, the reviews because uh, we do appreciate it. So if that uh, gives you a little extra incentive to leave us some kind words, we do uh, really uh, appreciate that. And uh, we always love to thank our patrons, especially on the show. So we'd love to give a shout out to Hunter Davenport, Brendan Lemune, The Autistic Gamer 89, Christopher, Jacob Chavez, Leonardo, Roberto, Talavera, Barocio, Count Gorlami. <laughs> um, what is man? What is Gorlami? <laughs> what is Gorlami but a box of secrets? <laughs> yeah. Amanda Tweed, Joe has a mustache, Dustin Elkins. Nick Lowry, Dalton Bell, Serge Murillo, Matt Collins, Lucio Fulci's butt, Julia Lockwood, Kyle McDonald, Nicholas Walters, Justin Kiefer, Daniel Perhaps, Jacob Fonsbeck, Patrick Farmer, Tony from Hack the Movies, C.B. Smith, Arlen Haro, and John. Thank you all for your support. Absolutely. Thank you for your continued support and, uh, sub- and you know, listening to the show, supporting the show. So that's it. That's Blackula from 1972, directed by William Crane. If you want some more good, bad, and god-awful movie goodness, head over to moviedumpsterpodcast.com and follow us on all of your favorite social media and streaming platforms. You can also head on over to our Patreon page and sign up for the 2 5 or $10 tiers for monthly exclusive content, or drop by our merch store and grab yourself uh, some non-committal swag. Yeah, and for no money at all, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to support your favorite show.
I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Hi, what do you have? Thank you. Bloody Mary. Mama Waldy, maybe you can help me. Are you um, into the occult? Oh, it has some fascination. How about the uh, heavy stuff? Uh, witchcraft. Voodoo. Devil worship. Well, we can't ignore what the world characterizes as the black arts, now can we? I think that there's some truth in all of it. I've come to that conclusion myself. What do you think of vampires? Vampires? I think they're possibly the most fascinating of all. 